you again today. It's only my second time to Crestline, and one thing I noticed this morning is I feel like I'm overdressed. <laughs> uh, I think I'll at least take off my coat, and I would take the tie off too, but it's red for Christmas. As you might know, I pastored a church out in Lucerne Valley for 13 years, pastoring a church in the desert that doesn't have air conditioning. I've learned to leave the coat in the car, too. And it isn't about the way we dress anyway, is it? But uh, I think Jesus certainly taught us common sense, Sabbath, among uh, anything else. And I'm glad to be here with you again. It, it seemed like very common sense people up here. Uh, a combination of a city and mountain folks. Right. You know, I don't have uh, an actual canned uh, sermon for you today. Honestly, I, I don't know if the devil is able to... Ellen White once... Um, wrote something about the, um, the enemy of souls can uh, make a preacher sick before Sabbath comes. And I, I felt something like that come over me. But I, it made me even more determined that any one of us here should be able to stand up and talk for 30 minutes about Christmas. Uh, without a uh, theological degree, right? And so I'm just going to do my best here with you today. And what a wonderful thing it is that we're celebrating the birth of the newborn king. One time uh, I was wondering as a pastor, what should I preach about? What should I preach about? And the Lord gave me the most common sense uh, advice. He spoke to me, and he said, assure them of my love. And isn't that, uh, where would we begin except at Christmas to assure one another of God's love for the great uh, gift uh, that he's given us? And People had waited for so long, so long for Christ to come. And here he came in such a surprising way. We are able to see from our vantage point how we put all the pieces together and say, oh, of course, this is the way God had it worked out. But it was a surprise to many people in that time I just uh, would like to read uh, one Old Testament verse, uh, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. That's important, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Of his increase, of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. So what we're also celebrating here, of course, is not a normal birth. While Jesus came into this world, he entered this world as a baby. He didn't exist as a baby before he came here. And so what an awesome experience that God would create himself now to be one of us, to fight this battle for us. You know, just this week, there's a new movie that came out, and you could look at it as a distraction to Christmas, as I often do with the movies around Christmas time. It's uh, Star Wars. And uh, I don't know if a billion people have seen it yet, but everybody plans to see Star Wars. But this is story that we have before us is not fiction. And this story is about uh, some intergalactic war between Christ and Satan. And so when we take a look at what's actually happening here, to speak in uh, boxing terms, we see Jesus enter the ring, having himself born onto this planet so that he could represent us and be our champion. Isn't this so awesome? And as uh, Ellen White tells us that uh, Jesus and the Father talked this out, it was Christ's idea, the Son's idea, to come here. You know per how persuasive children can be with their idea. But, uh, and then we have the text that says, And God sent his Son. So the Father and the Son agreed that this was the way that Jesus would come into this world to help us. It isn't that God hasn't always been with us, but this was a new chapter in the story about God's love for us. Another verse that I, I would like to read is a continuation. You know, I... I think I got some of the names mixed up. I, that wasn't Dr. James Trotter that, um, but it was Daniel who read the uh, scripture, right? Thank you. I'd like to continue to read just a verse out of John 1, 1, 1. What I'm just trying to establish here again is that Jesus was not an ordinary man. He's God. I don't see how a Jewish, uh, non-Christian Jewish family can overlook these things and not see what we see in the Old Testament, that it was Christ, 
and of course the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So once again, this is, is clearly showing us that the word that spoke to us through the Old Testament scriptures, it was Christ who created us. It was Christ who spoke to the prophets. It was Christ that parted the sea. And now it's Christ who's become one of us. It's as if an artist could who had painted a beautiful picture and then painted uh, herself into the picture, himself into that picture. Uh, there used to be a famous uh, dire Hollywood director who, had, uh, let's see, he was so famous, he made Alfred Hitchcock. I don't know if any of you saw any of his old movies, but um, he had himself yeah, in, in every movie that he made, somewhere in the movie, he would be some little part, play some little part like the chauffeur or a blacksmith or something all disguised, but he would paint himself into, I mean, put himself into every movie. And that's somewhat what Christ has done here to put himself into this world that he has made just for us. And so as God, uh, as God delivers his love to us, and we remember that this is all part of the great war between Christ and Satan. That's why the world fell. That's why Jesus came to confront him then we should, of course, see a conflict between them that continues to go on. As Adventists, you know, I want to be a little more honest with you, that um, it's been 27 years since I, I had a calling, a personal calling, as I drove on the highway one day in 1989 near Riverside, I had what I would n now call a Damascus Road experience. I had never read the Bible. Um, my grandparents were religious, but my parents had been too busy working. We had a business and it just took up all of our time. It was sink or swim. And uh, so when I was uh, 39 years old, I'm trying to still be 39. When I was 39 years old, God stepped into my life and he let me know that he is God and he is the God of my grandfather. A couple of weeks went by 
And I put my hand up and I said, God, could you help me with your great strength? And I felt a hand actually take a hold of my hand. And he let me know that it was the hand of Jesus and that my faith in him would be what would help me. At that time, I still had no church, no Bible, and no real Christian friends, none that were as religious as we are now. You know. So I continued to uh, pray, and every time I would pray, God would always let me know that he was with me. Soon I started promising God, well, next Sunday, I'm going to go to church. And something came in the mail about this size, and it was for a Revelation seminar. And I went to this little Revelation seminar, and it was put on by some people named the Maxwells. And they uh, really took me in. And pretty soon they told me they were Seventh-day Adventists. And you know, I happened to have been born uh, in Loma Linda. And I don't know if one of those nurses said a prayer over that little baby. It was in the old hospital. It wasn't long after I started going to church that one night before bed, I said a little prayer, probably one of the, another good prayer. And it was, God, I want to get to know you better. And that night, God told me in a dream, go to La Sierra University and serve me. And when I tell you to do something, you don't have to wonder where the money's coming from. And so a, a truck full of money didn't just come and d dump it in my driveway, you know, where I'd have to stack it myself. But uh, I went by faith, and I just got bills, but I did it. And uh, at one time, I was, you take classes such as world religions, you learn about all the world religions, and you continue your own Bible study, your personal Bible study. I had the best habits. I would wake up at 3, 3.30 in the morning. I would read my Bible for one hour, pray for one hour, and then go to work, be at work by 6 o'clock in those early days. And um, when I, one time I was taking a world religions class, and I just happened that was, we were learning about uh, Islam. Do you know the story of Islam, how Muhammad, in a nutshell, you know, in a nutshell, that Muhammad was out in the desert and now you just bear with me. You might think that I've gone completely crazy already. But this ties right in with today's big event. Muhammad was in the desert, and an angel named, who claimed to be Gabriel appeared to him and said, uh, you're, you are, are God's last and uh, final prophet the next and final prophet. There will never be a, another prophet uh, after you. And he told Muhammad that uh, Jesus was a great prophet, but he was only a man. That Jesus was only a man. 
And um, well, at that same time, I happened to be reading First John. Let's see. I'm going to turn to First John. This is why I'm so stuck on this text. First John four one through four. First John four. One through four. You know, God works everything out so perfectly. It was God who worked it out that Mary and Joseph would have to go to Bethlehem. And that's why the baby was born in Bethlehem, because the scripture said so. And I believe it was God who worked it out that I would be studying these things. First John 4, 1 through 4 says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit. But test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit, this means a prophet is someone who a spirit is talking to, and, and the person t tells us what God told them, right? By this you know a spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. What did Jesus do at Christmas? He came here and he took on human flesh. It doesn't matter if it was December 25th or June 14th or what the date was. The incarnation is the point. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. When I just put the, I was sitting in my car, you know how little colleges and universities are often on a hill? overlooking the town, and I was sitting in the parking lot before class, looking out when I read this, and I just put it together, and a voice spoke to me, I believe it was God, who said, I said, this is Islam. And he s the voice spoke to me and said, you should tell people this. You should tell people this, that this Islam is the one of the ones that is the Antichrist. It's so obvious that how could the angel Gabriel have spoken to Mary and the same angel Gabriel spoken to Muhammad? No. Because 2 Corinthians 11.14 explains it very clearly. And no wonder... For Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Yes. Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. So what did Jesus tell us about Satan in Christ's uh, life and ministry? He told us that Satan is the father of lies. Have you ever had somebody tell a lie about you? Yes, and 
and you just have no weapon to deal with, you're frustrated. And this is, this is all part of the great war between Christ and Satan, and Satan's weapon is the lies. Now, I know we're here because we believe, aren't we? But what we see going on in our world, there's a war between Islam and Christianity. And we can't go out. Our church, I love our church. But see, we're so big, we can't print what I'm telling you today. If we did, we would put our missionaries in jeopardy, wouldn't we? We would put our people in jeopardy because we know Islam. They don't, they don't, they want to just burn your house down, right? And, um, but I deal with this like Jeremiah because God told me to tell this message to people. And so I tell a church here, a church there, an assembly here, and an assembly there. And sometimes I feel like, Jeremiah. But this is the message from God that, that, that Jesus is God, and that's our message. The incarnation is what we're celebrating, that God actually became a man. Now, there is... Um, a verse that we as Adventists greatly stress that a great sign appeared in heaven. This is Revelation 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared, behold, a great red fiery dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, seven diadems on his heads. And uh, I'm going to verse 5, and she, the, okay. His tail drew one-third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. You know that Satan and the one-third of the angels that got kicked out of heaven, right? And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. See, Revelation isn't written completely in uh, numerical order. That's why in some things it seems a little confusing. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God, and they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and the archangels and the angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was any place found for them in heaven any longer. All of this is talking about the great war, and it evolves around the child, doesn't it? Christ, 
that's Christ, uh, this uh, devil's weapon against this child today is Islam. Islam is Satan's masterpiece. You know, I have sat in the university and seen them show a movie with um, Islam, say, uh, representative of Islam saying, it was 15 minutes, you know, for a classroom. We believe uh, everything that Christianity, Christianity does and more. Well, that's not true, is it? Because the very foundation, see, the very foundation, when they challenge that Jesus is God, when they claim that their prophet was told by God that Jesus was only a man, even a great prophet, they're taking out the entire foundation of the church. Now, this church has been here about 50 years, hasn't it, or longer? It must have a pretty good foundation. Christ, when Christ was born, Christianity was born. You know, without the birth of Christ, there's nothing. No church, there's no communion, there's no New Testament, there's none of the New Testament uh, figures, there's no heaven, there's no book of revelation, no crystal sea, nothing. If Christ, if Christ isn't God, then the only person that was saved uh, by his crucifixion was Barabbas. But Christ was sent. And so if Christ isn't God, I cannot stand here and assure you of God's love in the same manner that is deserving of him. Now, like I said, this isn't something we can place uh, newspaper ads. I don't believe Review and Herald would publish it. If I even wrote it in my upcoming book, I don't think they would publish it for fear of, because they want to protect our people, and I can understand that. And I can understand a university needing to show uh, what everybody claims and believes, but I wanted you to know the truth because the truth sets us free. We, we, all these things that are going on uh, in this world, they're coming to a climax. And you know, most of the people, a great many of the people who are Islamic in this world are Islamic by fear because they're afraid if they don't join Islam, they're gonna build their house down. They're gonna kill the men and capture the women or maybe kill everybody. And so they become uh, Islamic out of fear. Over in the Lucerne Valley Church, we had quite a few Indonesian members and they told me this coming from Indonesia, that that's the way it is there. And, um, but because God sent his son, that's how we know, the greatest way that we know that he loves us. And it's from there, after Christ was sent, that 
that's the greatest place that we understand that Jesus was also our creator. That when he created this world, it was like a parent who are expecting a child to make a place for that child, pick out the colors and every detail. So I hope that today, you know, along with our celebration of a joyous birth, that I've been able to at least make you aware, a little more aware of the importance of incarnation. It doesn't get men mentioned very often. And that's my sermon for today. I'm watching the clock. You know, I don't know what time. You're not used to going an hour and a half. Are you? I have so much more to share. Okay, I'll come back again. Thank you. Let's turn in our hymnal to verse 120, uh, to hymn 121. Go tell it on the mountain. That